0: Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. It's going to be a great time. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49 through 50 has been our series uh, text where we've been going from and uh, we've titled this series Family Business uh, because the business that we're a part of is not our business, it's God's business. Um, and today, I feel, is going to be a very monumental uh, message, talk, sermon, whatever you want to call it. Um, but what's about to be delivered today is going to be very monumental to your walk. And I believe that this year is going to be a breakout year for some of you. All right, everybody besides Pastor Jesse, uh, I believe this is going to be a breakout year for some of you. Um, <laughs> In, in the very fact that we have worked through this understanding of until now, until now you've had adversity, until now you've had sickness, until now you've had uh, issues, until now, and God wants to do something until now in your life this year. And so I want to I wanna work through this. Last week we worked on revising your resistance, learning that resistance is not a bad thing, it's strength training. It's getting you strong for the race ahead of you. Uh, And today I want to talk about just basically a question, how do I reset my default? How do I reset my default? Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 49 in the New King James, and it says, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Holy Spirit, move. We are listening. We are ready. God, today I pray that we would leave here changed, challenged, and empowered. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. And, so and so my mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. Interesting statement here. he is in the temple as a young man. His mom, uh, earthly mom and dad are on their way to find him. He's escaped. He's ran away their minds are wondering what has happened to them and they find him in the temple and he asked them the question why did you seek me and i just i just wonder beginning of 2024 may i ask the question why are you seeking him this year why why are you seeking him are you seeking him and why are you seeking him and Jesus was like you know that I must be about my father's business how many's had a a device electronic device that you've had to reset yeah some of you got it for christmas and you're trying to transfer over from one to the other uh, and you've known that if you, if you take your device and you transfer it over, it gives you the options, right? When you turn on, at least on uh, God's gift to mankind, Apple, it shows you. Pray for all the rest of you. Um, it shows you on there, do you want to transfer from this device to this device remaining the same? Or do you want to set this up as a brand new device? None of us ever want to set it up as a new device because then we lose all of our old apps, we lose all of the the stuff, and so we want to to transfer it over. The problem is, is when you transfer from the old device to the new device, you get the same settings that was on the old, now on the new. And some of us are carrying old default settings into new seasons we have these fixed mindsets of how it always has been or how it always will be and god's like i'm going to give you a new season but if we're not careful then we drag in the old default settings into new seasons I believe that God this year wants to reset your defaults for the season that he has. Don't transfer old data into new seasons. Don't transfer transfer old habits and old mindsets and, and old feelings into new seasons. So let me ask the question, what is your default setting right now? What is the thing you instantly go into? What is the first thing that you... You default to. See, it's either you're going to be a default or design, but I believe today you can design your default. And I want to help reset your default. You ready to go with me this morning? The first of the year, every year, Andrew and I go away and we, we write down our goals. And we take this from the book of Habakkuk, which says, write down the vision, make it plain, and run with it. And so we've taken that very literally, that we will take... And we will write down our vision, our dreams, our goals. We'll pray about it. Last year, we had like 95% of everything we wrote down on there come to pass. One or two things didn't come to pass. Like we didn't get a new dog, and that was a blessing from God. That was a dumb goal. I didn't write it. My wife did. She's not even in the room today. My kids are like, we're getting a dog. We're doing it. I'm like, well, no. All right. And so we write it down. We make it clear. I would encourage some of you this year, don't, have men, don't give mental assent to what you think God is going to do or what you want God to accomplish. Would you take some time this year and start writing down? Write down in your categories. This is what I believe in God for my marriage. This is what I'm believing God for my family. This is what I'm believing God for my career and for my job and for myself. Would you take some time and start writing it? Why? Because you're going to reset your default. Some of us just give mental assent, this is what I would like to accomplish, but a year goes by, two years goes by, and you look back and go, I really wish I had done this. The reason why you didn't do that is because it was just a thought, it didn't become a part of your heart. If The default setting was, it's too hard, it's too long, it's too much work, I'm too scared. Write down the vision. Write down what God has given you. Our target here, see, if you don't have a target, you're going to miss it every time. Because you don't know what you're aiming at. And so I sat down with our team at the beginning of this year and I said, what's the target? I drew a big circle and a bullseye and all. I said, what's our target? And we boiled down, we eliminated things, we added things, we were focusing, hyper-focusing on what our target is. And I said, let's throw it on the wall. What is our target? Until all of Rathrum and beyond knows Jesus. Now, how do we get there? That's the question, because if we revert to our default settings, then all we're going to get is what we've received until now. We want revival, pastor, we want to see people saved, we want, but if all we're doing is the same thing we did last year, then all we're going to get is what we've already got. So we have to change. We have to move. We have to do something different. We have to change our default setting. And I believe that this year is not just for uh, a church to get hyped up or amped up. I don't believe that this is a place where you can just hear a good thought and, and walk, walk away. Because there's plenty of places that you can go and do that today. But this is not just a church. This is a movement And my job and my goal is not just to preach a good message, but my job is to deliver the heart of God. And I believe the heart of God for our church is that he would mobilize each and every one of us to be warriors in the kingdom every day. God is not looking for weekend warriors on a Sunday. He's looking for soldiers that will usher in his presence every day of the week. My, my job, my job is to help perfect the saints. My job is to teach and to train and equip. I'm giving you tools week after week from the heart of God. My job is not to tickle your ears. My, t- my job is not to give you fluff. My job is to mobilize and empower to advance the kingdom of God, to advance light in dark places, to advance hope in hopeless situations. My job today is to empower you, to equip you to do The family business. We owe this region an encounter with God. We owe this region an encounter with God. But how are we going to do it if we remain with our old default settings? Matthew 11 and 12 says, And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, someone say until now. Now. Until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it did not that sound like 2020 everything? And violent people are attacking it. Violent people are attacking it. I heard of a pastor who's getting 18 criminal charges uh, against him in Ohio because during the cold snap a couple weeks ago, he allowed 18 homeless people to sleep in the church, and it was not zoned correctly for residential And the city that he's in is now charging him with 18 criminal counts. I'm telling you, this is America. This is where we're going. And if we're not careful, we will allow the violent to take a a weak church. But Jesus said, until now, we've been advancing, and you have a decision to keep advancing or to fall back. And I want to talk to a church in 2024... This is not the time for us as Christians and as Jesus followers to fall back. This is time for us to engage in warfare and continue to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. Because we know that even when we run to the gates of hell, it cannot prevail against an unstoppable church. So the things that you're that you're going against right now, the adversity that you're facing right now, is no match to the power and the glory of God that is with inside of each of us. So God's God's a builder, but in order to build, do I have any construction people here today? In order to build, there's sometimes there's a day called demo day. Thank you, Laura. You're not even in construction. (laughs) Demo day. Everybody say demo day. And in order to build, sometimes you're going to have to tear out. If you want something new, you're going to have to remove what was old because the old structure cannot support the new structure. You're eliminating it. And I would say that the kingdom of heaven, God is a builder calling us to be master builders. But today, I just want to issue a decree on hell that every day for hell is demo day when the church has the right tools in its hands. And there's a constant fight. Anybody know that you're in a fight? You're in a battle. There's a constant fight for your first. Write that down in your notes. Highlight that, scribble it on your hand if you don't have paper. There is a constant fight for your first. And here's what I've learned, is that worship is warfare. Because worship is anything that we place first. Worship is not your favorite song. Worship is not only corporate. Worship is not when you feel the goosebumps. It's not when, 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 when you do all this. Worship is much deeper. Worship is a lifestyle. And worship is whatever you place first. So if you don't have what is first aligned then you're going to be worshiping things other than who should be first. So I ask the question, why are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking Him to be your sugar daddy? Are you seeking him just so he can provide your needs? Are you seeking him just so he's your 911 call when you need an emergency? Are you seeking him just because that's what you've always done as as a family? Are you seeking him because you don't know anything else? Why are you seeking him today? May I present today that we seek him so that we can learn about him so that we know what his business is about. Because you're never going to know what his business is if you are not in proximity with him. There's a fight for your worship. There's a war for your worship, and worship is warfare. And I was praying the last couple of weeks. I said, God, how, how can we mobilize a church? How can we, if we owe this region a, a, an encounter with God, how do we do it? How do we get there? Like what, what's the holdup? What's the, what's the blockades? What's the dam that's been built up? I, I know that heaven is wanting to release, and I, I know that God waits on his church to actually usher it in. So, so God, what is the holdup? And the Holy Spirit said, Remember Jehu. Anybody, anybody know who Jehu is in the Bible? A few hands. Jehu. So I went back and I started studying Jehu and Second Kings gives us. Story of Jehu and Jehu is a, I mean, he's a man's man. He's sitting in his in his uh, general seat. He's in war, and Elijah the prophet sends his his servant and says, "Go anoint Jehu. He's now king." The problem is, is that Ahab and Jezebel were running the kingdom at the time. Je, uh, Ahab and Jezebel had ran out the prophet and Elijah's like, you go, like, sends his servant, you go anoint and tell Jehu he's king. And, and so uh, the, the guys, the, the, the soldiers that were around Jehu when the prophet uh, assistant left, they're like, what did that crazy guy want? And he, he's like, well, he told me I was anointed king. And the entire army fell on their face and they said, long live King Jehu. Jehu's... Mission was then to fulfill prophetic words, and that was to rid Israel of Ahab and Jezebel, to the point that the exact prophecies of how Jezebel was going to die happened under Jehu's watch. And Jehu was on a mission to forcefully advance God's kingdom by eradicating all of Baal worship in Israel. So, 2 Kings chapter 10. And it says, as soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, what's the setting of this scripture? Well, the setting is is that he got all the prophets of Baal and he said, hey, we're going to worship together. I want you to go into the temple. I want all of you guys to wear the same robes, and I'm going to worship with you. I'm going to worship Baal with you. We're going to have this this great time. I'm on your side. I know Ahab and Jezebel's done, but we're going to continue worshiping Baal. And he brings them all together, and then he commands his guards and officers, go in and kill them all. Don't let a single one escape. So they killed them all with their swords, and the guards and officers dragged their bodies outside. Then Jehu's men went into the innermost fortress of the Temple of Baal. They dragged out the sacred pillar used in the worship of Baal and burnt it. They smashed the sacred pillar and wrecked the Temple of Baal, converting it into a public toilet as it remains to this day. Hoorah! Let's go! In this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal worship from Israel. And verse 29 is devastating. He did not, however, destroy the gold calves in Bethel and Dan, with which Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to sin. And I'm like, you went. And the Holy Spirit's like, remember Jehu. The reason why... We are bumping against the dam, not having the breakthrough, is because we've been very, very quick to identify and see foreign gods, but we have ignored domestic gods. Scholars have said that about this scripture that Jehu knew Jezebel and Ahab and the prophets of Baal were worshiping. A foreign god. But Jehu did not have the courage to destroy the domestic gods that Israel had built for themselves. And some of us are stuck behind the breakthrough because we have been unable to reset our default setting from the domestic gods that we have built ourselves. Anything that we give first attention to becomes a monument of worship to us. I saw a a reel the other day of a guy, and he says, what if we treated our Bible like we treated our cell phones? And the guy rolls over as he wakes up, grabs his Bible, and that's the first thing he reads. He goes to the bathroom, he sits on the toilet, and he reads his Bible. He gets in the car, and he looks over as the stoplight is red, and he grabs his Bible and reads. He's in between clients at work on the phone, and he grabs his Bible to read. Anything that you give first attention to has become a domesticated God. I think it's easy to see where Jezebel is, and I think it's easy to see where Ahab is, and I think that we can worship until those things are gone, and we should, and we should be able to pray and prophesy and, and speak words of life, and we should be able to see that and tear Jezebel down. However, maybe the reason why we are stuck behind the breakthrough and behind the dam is because we have erected altars of worship to domesticated gods instead of our one true living God. What's your default when you get into a situation that seems impossible is your default? default setting fear or is your default setting faith? It, it, what, what happens when you get into a situation where it seems like next to impossible? Is your default setting wor- worry or is your default setting worship? Where is your default setting? Do you, Are you filled with anxiety when things begin to start not going the way you thought? Or are you filled with anticipation for what God can do through this moment? Are you filled when financial struggles come on in your life? Are you filled with with, with fear and and, and, and and anxiety and worry and frustration? frustration or are you filled with the idea that God still has all this in control when you're battling a sickness or a disease is your default oh God I'm not going to recover from this and I don't know if the doctors can do anything about this or is your first response and your default I'm going to pray about this until God the author and finisher of my faith heals me what's our default setting when someone says I need prayer Is our default setting, I'll pray about it and we walk away? Or is our default setting said in the name of Jesus? Right now, I believe that everything that's on this person can go away. What's our default setting? Is our default setting going and erecting domesticated gods to fear and confusion and doubt and heartache? Or is our altars set up to a living God who will always rescue, always save, and always answer? I'm standing on this stage today on answered prayer after answered prayer after answered prayer. I know without a shadow of a doubt that He hears me and He answers and that's why I trust Him. Can we put our hands together and give Him praise in this house this morning? If, If the glory of this temple is going to be greater than the glory of the former temple, then you and I, must go in and tear down every altar that is against our God. There's one altar, and that altar belongs to Him. He deserves our first. So what did Jehu do? The right things Jehu did, number one, is he learned how to make room. Someone say make room. you got to clear the room you got to clear the space. You want to reset your default today? you got to learn how to clear the room. Wh- what room am I talking about? I'm talking about your mind and your heart. The rooms that harbor things. The rooms that hold on to things. you got to clear the room. It's demo day for hell when you start thinking different. It's demo day for hell when you start believing different. It's demo day for hell when you start changing your default to what you believe about people, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about your future. It's demo day for hell when you start putting God in his rightful place, which is first and foremost, make room. Jehu went in and he cleaned out. He he made room. He killed all the prophets of Baal And I think that we get Christianity wrong so many times because we believe that when I find Jesus, Jesus changes my life. We've left a sacred cow in Dan and Bethel because we've put all of the work on Jesus to change our life. But that's not entirely true. When you find Jesus, He changes you, so you have the power to change your life. Let that settle in for a moment. His mission is to change you. You still have the free will to change the choices that determine the life that you live. So don't you dare blame your bad choices on a great God. Why am I always broke? Because you always go to Starbucks. God did this to me. No, He didn't. Like, God, my car broke down. It's because you didn't change your oil in the last 40,000 miles. That's not God's problem. That's your problem. Right? Right? Let him change you. You change your life. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. But it begins with your choices to receive the abundance of life that he has for you. You make room. And this is what I've learned with this this concept. No one can worship for you. People can pray for you, but no one can worship for you. You can't ever say, hey... Pastor Jesse, uh, will you just go to church for me? I'm not feeling good today. Will you just worship for me? What kind of garbage is this? But I can say, hey, will you pray for me? I need prayer. But no one can worship for you. Because worship is whatever you place first in your life. No one gets to choose what I First. So this year, we're going to make room for His Spirit. We're going to make room for His presence. We're going to make room in our month. How we started out is with First Wednesday. Be here. Pray together. Take communion corporately. Have prophetic words spoken over your life. Get into the intimate parts for one hour on one Wednesday a month. We can do that. Make it a priority. I will be here. I'm going to make room. See, I believe people have money for what they want to have money for and they have time for what they have time for. So you, I can tell you what domesticated gods you have altars you have erected in your life by what you put first in your priority list. Like, oh, I put God first in my priority list. But yet everything else comes up as an excuse before God. The reason why we start every year with 24 days of prayer and fasting is because we want to put God first in our year because we're setting the trajectory of our year correct. We're putting God first. Make room in your health by letting go of unhealthy habits. You know what irritates me? I'm just going to tell you, you don't have to guess. (laughs) You get what you get. Is individuals that, that are sick because they have made unhealthy choices. And therefore, because of their unhealthy choices, they can't make it to the house of God because they have allowed their health to take a seat. And what we don't realize as Christians is that your health and your spirituality matter to God. I, I, I don't know. A bag of Doritos is not worth my salvation. All right, I'll jump off of it. We've got to make room in our soul by eliminating what you don't need. Take some inventory. Soul, what do you, what do you not need? Make room in your schedule to be interruptible. Make room in your schedule. Like, God, you can interrupt this. Make room for guests in your home with radical hospitality. Make room in your e-groups for double the amount of people you currently have. Make room in your finances with margin for generosity. Make room. Everybody say make room. Make room. All right, here's five ways to make room. We're going to go into the, into the temple of Baal and we're going to start ridding some things. See, here's what's interesting to me. is the pillar that they took out, they smashed, was a representation of the presence of Baal. It was a representation of the presence of Baal. And in order for us to get rid of Baal, we must get rid of his presence. We have to get rid of his presence. How do we do that? We replace it with the best presence, the only presence, the presence that saves, that uh, revives, that restores. And so we've got to make room. We've got to clear out the presence of other things so that we can allow the presence of God to take precedent in this temple. Number one, write this down, take a picture. Number one, we give God the first of our day. Give God the first of your day. Here we practice the first 15. 15 minutes. 15 minutes is shorter than some of your workouts. 15 minutes should be where you work out. Okay, that's another, all right. 15 minutes. We start with five minutes of His Word, five minutes of worship, and five minutes of prayer. First 15, five, five, five. It's the first 15. We, number two is we give God the first of our week with consistent church attendance. Maybe you make church once a week. Would you just try having a four-week streak and see what God will do when you engage in supportive spiritual community? Come on, if you can go to a job you hate five days a week, you can go to church an hour and 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. You give God the first of your week. This is why we do Sunday. Sunday is the first of the week. It's resurrection day, celebrating of Jesus. It's, it's all these things. Would you give God, would you make a commitment? I'm going to give God the first of my day. I'm going to give God the first of my week. You watch what a difference it'll make in your kids, your grandkids. You watch what a difference it'll make in your job. Monday suddenly doesn't seem so Garfield anymore. Monday now is enjoyable because now I'm not just listening to a word on Sunday, but now I'm using the word on Monday. You watch what happens when you start using the word at work. Now work becomes exciting because now I'm impacting lives. What I get on Sunday, now I'm actually taking it in on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And the boss that I really don't like now can get saved. And the the problems that I'm facing at work, now God can work out. And the things I didn't think were going to happen now are suddenly happening. Why? Because I'm beginning my week with Jesus. Why are you seeking him? Why are you seeking him? We engage in supportive spiritual community. Number three is we give God the first praise by cultivating a grateful heart. What's your default? Many of our defaults, I know, I know I'm not going to look anybody in the eye. I'm going to close my eyes. Jesus, help us. Many of us, our default setting is complaining. That's the first thing we do. We complain about the weather, we complain about our jobs, we complain about our days. We complain. Someone's like, hey, how'd your day go? Oh, it was long and busy. Yeah, that's a day. I had a horrible day. Why? Someone critiqued my work. That's called work. But my question isn't, how is your day? My question is changing. So go ahead and call pastor during the week. I'm going to change my questions to you. I'm not going to ask you, how's your day? I'm going to ask you, what are you doing about the father's business today? What did you do with the father's business today? I don't need to know how your boss chewed you out, but what did you do when your boss chewed you out? Were you about the father's business? Were you able to show love and grace to a person who did not have love and grace? Because I'll tell you right now, the moment you show love and grace to an individual that is spewing hatred, you can change and you can stop the spirit of Baal in that moment and reduce it because the presence of God is greater than that spirit. You just watch, you just watch what happens when you start allowing the first thing out of your mouth to be praised with a grateful heart instead of complaining. You watch, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be bold enough to say this. You watch the sickness that you've been facing start falling away when you start giving God thanks for the good that you have in your life. Because the Bible says this is the will of God for you that you would give thanks in all thanks. In all things. Thanks. There's some things you don't give thanks for because it's not a good thing. But you give thanks in all things. Because in all things, there is something that God is doing. And what we're doing is we're erecting altars to Baal and allowing His presence to take root. And today, it's demo day for hell. And we're going to cultivate a heart of gratitude and gratefulness and say, "Uh uh-uh, this is where God resides. This is where God blesses. Number four, we give God the first of our income through our tithe and offering. Through our tithe and offering. It's, see, this is one of those domesticated gods. What's interesting to me is where the gold calves were left. Second Kings says they were left in Dan, and it was left in Bethel. Now, I could go into the geography of all of it, but I'm not going to. I want to take us back because we're talking about giving God the first of your income through tithes and offerings. I want to go back to when Bethel began through a man named Jacob, who had a dream, laid on a rock. I preached it last week. Heaven comes down, and he wakes up, and he says, surely the Lord was here, and I knew it not. And as he gets up, he says, I'm going to call this place Bethel, for this is the house of God. Haggai, who what we've been reading through this beginning of this year, Haggai says, like, Like you're out building your houses and your wealth, but you've left my house in ruins. The only house that needs to be in ruins, the only place that needs to be turned into a public toilet, is where Baal used to exist. The house of God should be beautiful. It should be elevated. It should be appealing. It should be a place of glory. It should be a place of transformation power. And if we go back to how the house of God was built, and this is what's so interesting to me, Pastor Jesse, is that they left a golden calf in Bethel, but Bethel was not like this in the beginning. Bethel was a place where God met, and this is what Jacob says after he calls it Bethel in in Genesis 28. Jacob made this vow. Someone say, Jacob made this vow. It's It's key this morning. If God will indeed be with me, sounds good, right? And protect me on this journey. If he will provide me with food and clothing. Am I talking to somebody today? If I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This was not God's command. This was Jacob's vow. In Genesis, God said, I want the first. I want that spotless lamb. I want the first. But now Jacob says, I'm going to make a vow that I'm going to give you a tenth of what I own. So the very 10th, the, the first thing, the 10th of this is not God's command. It was mankind's vow of what we will give to God. And I was wrecked when I started reading and understanding this. Because Israel erected domesticated altars of their own gold and silver and jewelry. To a God that would never provide for them. They gave their first. More than their tenth. To erect golden calves. In a place where a man made a vow, this will be the house of God. I will worship here and I will give a tenth of everything I own. If we're not careful, we will bow our knees to the gold and silver that we receive on a paper check or an electronic transfer and we'll forget that it's God who has provided for you, who has saved you, who has blessed you, who's given you the food on your table, the clothes on your back. He's given you the houses. He's given you the cars he's blessed you with abundance it is for me to say this is bethel the house of god and i'm going to give him a tenth the first of everything i refuse to allow the golden calves to remain in bethel when i have a god who is greater and exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask think or imagine this is the god i want to give to i'm giving too much to other things I mean, we've got Sirius XM subscriptions that we never listen to. We've got Apple Music subscriptions we never listen to, Spotify ad free stuff we never listen to. Am I talking to someone today? We're paying fees to bail while the house of God sits as a dump because we've gotten caught up in the domesticated altar instead of ridding the entirety of all foreign and domestic worship. Number five, how am I going to make room? How do I reset my default? I'm going to give God the first of my gifting by serving others. The biggest threat to hell this morning is unity. Everybody say unity. Unity Unity is not conformity. Religion makes you look like everyone else. Christianity makes you look like Jesus. We're about unity. In a united church with a united mission, we must be united around what is first. Someone say first. It's our default. Default happens when we don't design with intentionality what we are going to do. And I think nothing irritates really the enemy more than a believer who confesses and lives with a healthy understanding and revelation of Christ's resurrection power. If we, as Jesus followers, lived with a healthy understanding that this is a resurrected Christ that we serve, death could not stop him, nails couldn't hold him, a Roman empire couldn't shut him up. If we understood the resurrecting power of Jesus, we would be unstoppable. We've got to give God our first. We've got to give God our first. I've got more to preach, but I'm going to save it for another time. I've got two more points and probably 30 more minutes of preach. But I think this is where we're going to stop today. Band, would you come and join me? I just, I just sense today that the Holy Spirit is just... My other points are another time. But today I just sense that the Holy Spirit is asking you to make room today. Would you not, would you not get stuck with a J. Hugh spirit today and say, I've won victories over addiction. And I've won victories over pornography. And I've won victories over alcoholism. And I've won victories over, over you know, uh, abuse. And I've won victories over a, men, a victim mentality. I've won victories over Jezebel and Ahab. Those are all great. But what about the domesticated altars that you need victory over today? <laughs> Where have you been bowing your knee? And where have you been worshiping? Because without us even realizing, we have been molding golden calves out of our greatest fears. We've molded golden calves out of our failures. We've molded golden calves out of our worries. We've molded golden calves out of our finances. We've molded golden calves out of hatred. We've molded golden calves out of our bitterness. We've molded golden calves out of our hurts. And we've molded golden calves out of our past and molded golden calves that have become domesticated. And the reason why we're not breaking through is because we still have allegiance. To the domesticated gods. We still are bowing our knee at altars that have no power. We've given the God of the altar power, we've given him that. Baal, Baal was the spirit of the air. And the Bible says you have power over that as a believer. Like, the presence of Baal is nothing compared to the presence of a great God. A resurrected Jesus took care of death, hell, and the grave. He, he nailed sin to a cross. Like, there is nothing in this world. There's nothing in spirituality and powers that can stop the resurrecting power of God. But if we are careful, we will keep our knee bowed to our hurts and our failures and our financial struggles and we'll keep our knee bowed to to the worries and the the, the animosities and, and here we are worshiping we're like, God, do something for me. And he's like, you're bowing your knee to the wrong God. What are you putting first? That's where you're worshiping. partners, would you come? I don't want church as church. I, I just talked to you being so real today. I... question today. I seek him because I want him to be first. And when he's first, I get a part of his business. And maybe the reason why we are Second, and other things have been first. Maybe the family business has turned more into complaining. The family business, He's given you power over demons and darkness, He's given you power over sickness, He's given you power over fear and he's given you power if he gave you power over the Jezebels and Ahab in your life he has sure given you power over the altars in Dan and Bethel today may we restore Bethel to its rightful glory today that's my prayer restore oh God the glory of Bethel in a greater way today may this be a place where you meet with us and we with you and we leave here changed and powered so that the world around us will find you until all of rathdrum and beyond knows jesus today empower us with your business thank you so much for joining us today i want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow jesus to transform your soul we pray that you have an amazing week Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.